19, we'll read down through 21. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. I'll read in 22, but you know that Timothy, he's proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I have no one else like him. Let's pray. Lord, I think it's clear to us that as we journey through life and we look back on how you have involved yourselves in our lives and how you brought uh, mothers and women like mothers and sisters who are committed to the Lord to help shape and influence us, that it's so important that we have the beauty and the balance of that influence in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for that precious gift of mothering that has come down to us, that has shaped and formed and allowed us to maintain a strength and beauty. I praise you, God, for your love for us, and we pray as we think in terms of our mothers and those others that have uh, been alongside of us, that we would be grateful and appreciative and have the opportunity to express that in Jesus' name. Amen. That's quite a statement that he says, I have no one else uh, like Timothy. It's amazing to think that uh, some uh, who are the scholars that uh, would try to explain scriptures to us, how that some say the Apostle Paul may have exaggerated a little bit because certainly there's other people like Timothy who have this genuine interest and love for other people and Others would say, well, you know, Paul's in prison at the time he's writing this letter, and because he's in prison for the gospel and the sharing of his faith, that he really only had a few people he could draw from. He says, I got no one like Timothy to send as a representative of me. Either way, when we study the scriptures and we look at the life of Timothy, we find that he was quite a unique individual. He was one who uh, had a genuine love for people. He had a commitment to some of the, the deep principles of life. His value system, his purity, his integrity was uh, way off the charts in comparison to other people. Uh, if you turn with me to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, I would like to just uh, kind of connect the dots because I think it's clear to us. Um, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We want to look at verse 5 that we realize that a Timothy just doesn't drop in out of nowhere. A person who has a genuine interest in other people and, and a, a young man who has uh, integrity and real purity and commitment to the things of God, they just simply just don't happen. For uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, it goes on to say, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, he's talking about Timothy here, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. The whole point of Mother's Day, when we think in terms, particularly from a Christian perspective, is we are so appreciative of those examples and those role models and those people who influence us in seasons in our life and times in our life that nobody else can help us with. 
When we think in terms of our, our younger years, our maturing years, and we think about the importance of someone coming alongside of us and helping shape and form our lives. I realize as a pastor for many years, I certainly would not want to minimize the power of a changed life, that God can supernaturally take a very hardened person and really soften them up. But I got some good news and bad news. As powerful as the gospel is, and as powerful as truth is, and as powerful as other people can be in your life, nothing compares to the beauty of a mom who nurtures a child when they're young. Statistics show it over and over and over again that without that involvement, that preciousness, that specialness of a mom with a son or a mom with a daughter, it doesn't even begin to compare. Mothers are really the secret to preparing and protecting and preserving uh, all that is important uh, to us. What's interesting when uh, he's writing about uh, Timothy's faith, it's called a sincere faith. That's a rather interesting term when we talk about a sincere faith because it goes back to the days when, when uh, a lot of the, the dishes and utensils or the, the, the things you would use for cooking were made out of clay. And it was well known that sometimes you could buy a, a, a pot piece of pottery and somebody sold it to you by putting a little wax on it and they covered the cracks. And so the moment you use something hot, the wax would melt and you end up with a crack pot. And so uh, the Apostle Paul is communicating that he is so appreciative of Timothy knowing that he's not a cracked pot. He is real, he's genuine, and his mother and his grandmother are the key instruments in developing within this young heart and this man's life a quality that no longer is simply going to crack. When we think of moms, we think about the biggest and most powerful position in the world is your influence upon your children. Because when those beginning stages are formed and the qualities of life are established, if a mother has uh, communicated these into your life, that child has so much of an advantage in life. And uh, we are certainly grateful for that influence. Um, you know, we think about the job of mothering and, and the beauty of that. Um, you know, mom's salary it really isn't considered rather competitive. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. I know moms probably are more aware of the fact that it's probably one of the lowest paying jobs out there and yet it's the one that is more demanding than any other time. You know, when we think about, you know, how much a person's worth and the job they have, a mom is obviously one that uh, probably doesn't get a whole lot of a, a paycheck for that. Uh, most moms uh, uh, probably didn't get a whole lot of benefits from this job. I mean, think about sick days. What does a mom do on her sick day? She has to Pull herself together and realize you got to keep on going. Whether you're sick or not is irrelevant. How about personal days off? I mean, there's not too many days that a mom just simply just says, I'm going to take off today. I mean, how many vacation weeks do you get as being a mom? Uh, usually if you're on vacation, guess who goes with you? The kids. And we find that it may not have been a whole lot of vacation. The kids had a great time on vacation, but mom continues to work holiday time off. How about those days when kids just look forward to snow days? Well, mom's job just doubled in 
her demands and duties because the kids come home full of energy. They're bouncing off the walls, and mom is like, please go back to school. I remember a discussion uh, um, some years back, I guess it was, on, on why there's certain careers that pay so well. Um, the discussion centered around the doctors. They get paid a whole lot, and lawyers get paid a whole lot, and professional counselors get a whole lot, and maybe there's other careers that, that uh, would have been included in that. But I remember the reasoning why they need to be paid so high is think of all the training that has to go into in order for you to be a professional person of that nature and all the experience that goes into that. And yet every mom knows when the kid is bleeding and believes he's going to die, you'd better fix him. So moms are well acquainted with all the doctors have to handle. She's handled the blood. She's seen the broken bones. She's seen the knee scrapes that, as far as the child's concerned, it's traumatic. And so the mom obviously is not paid for all of this quality training. She's expected to be at least as good, if not better, than any doctor. How about a good lawyer? If you grew up in a home like I did, there's three brothers, mom had better have a law degree because you've got to figure out what actually took place and who committed the crime and on and on and on. A good lawyer is one that obviously will take place when you raise kids because you never sometimes know the whole truth, but you've got to make judgment calls. Uh, by the time a child's a teenager, you'd better be a professional counselor because they go through all kinds of situations and struggles in life that unless you have some kind of unique wisdom, you're not really going to be able to work them through those teenage years. I don't know if uh, the moms here feel like they've been paid or compensated enough, but I trust that one of your kids, or I'll say it to pour them, happy Mother's Day. Because we realize that uh, all of the things of mothering, the thing that's so important when we think about our faith, is we would like to believe there's a way to bypass the influence of a mom. We tell ourselves sometimes that, you know, when the kids grow up, they'll finally catch on and they'll finally grow and mature. The truth is, the mom's role in nurturing and giving guidance, particularly when it comes to character, that's the most powerful component or ingredient a mom could offer, is that integrity factor. You know, it's interesting. We, we live in a world that is accustomed to pretty much anything goes. There's not always a clear clarity about right and wrong until you actually get a real job and they require you to be honest, to show up on time, to be a hard worker, and to not steal things from the boss. It's amazing all through life that somehow, unless a child has learned how to, to embrace these concepts and that nurture and influence of mom, the poor little kid's going to grow up it's totally confused and disoriented. It's certainly that role that when you see the life of Timothy and many others, that influence of that uh, mom. When we think about the faith that uh, you and I hold to, uh, the Apostle Paul uses the concept of the pattern, uh, that he's encouraging people to follow this pattern. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. What's important in understanding the pattern that is handed down to it, he's kind of alluding to uh, what, what we might see in chapter 3, verse 10. He says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, 
my patience, my love, my endurance. Think about that when we uh, understand the influence of a mother's role, that there's so many factors that are mixed together in the ingredient. The bottom line is the kids clearly have benefited by that motherly role by teaching them about what is really important. Uh, we often think in terms of uh, when we introduce ourselves as adults, often the question becomes, what do you do for a living? Or what are some of your interests? And so a lot of times we measure each other up, we size each other up by the things we do, and yet the bottom line is, who am I as a person? The inner quality of my life is so much more important than what you and I do. What I do doesn't make me bigger or better than someone else, but who I am, that definitely is the true measure of where we're at. And that often comes from that influence of a mother. A mother's special influence in life is to shape and form that inner person. That's what's engraved upon us. Now we look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. But as for you, the Apostle Paul writes, continue, and he's writing to Timothy, what you have learned and have become convinced of. What you've learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. He's pointing back to Timothy. Remember your grandmother. Remember your mother. There are many stories that I could give you particularly about my grandmother because growing up in a broken home, we were over there quite a bit and her influence and those kind of things. But it's a character issue that really stood out and has uh, given me a sense of hope and guidance in life. And many of you can verify and uh, validate some of these. But I want to think about this, this pattern of influence. Uh, we're all shaped, we're all influenced by a quality of life that uh, is very difficult to teach. As a pastor, obviously, uh, we can spend a lot of time talking about the things you ought to know and what you and I probably as Christians ought to do. There's an emphasis on believing the right stuff and practicing the right things, but I can't go back and put a, or become a substitute for what your mother and your father taught you when you were younger. It's very difficult to try to give guidance about how you form character, and so quite often, even in a church membership, Jerry alluded to memberships in churches, it's interesting, even on a membership application, I don't know if you've ever realized there's sort of this application. We've got to find out whether you wear the same color plaid shirt as me or whatever to be a member. I'm only joking. But in memberships or even in uh, interviews at a job, they want to know what you do and all the outward appearance. Do you ever have a questionnaire where they really ask you what your inner person's like? Do you ever have people really say, what's your character like? I mean, we'd like to say, of course, those kind of things. But those are the things that a mom instills with the children. That's where the children learn and are shaped and formulated on the matters that really will carry us through uh, life. What you and I do in life is, is it might benefit in some way, but if character is not there, boy, it's one heck of an interesting thing. I want to talk about uh, the, the, this pattern formation and uh, some of these, I would say, or pretty much all of these concepts come as I recognize uh, uh, Connie's mother was, was one that really uh, 
has more influence upon her life, my life probably, than, than, uh, than my mother-in-law really is aware of. Um, it was her position or her presentation of herself in life that really was, uh, spoke volumes into my life. Um, my, my first memories of, of going to meet Connie's mother was my brother-in-law, uh, her brother, you know, he warned me. He said, you know, when you get to the house, these are the rules. Number one, you can't use four-letter words. I mean, I'm just trying to be blunt. He kind of laid it out that, you know, my mom's not one to be messing with. So either you figure out how you're going to present yourself on somewhat of a, a, a nice format, or are you going to be out of here real quick? And so even before I got there, I've got this idea like, man, she's going to give me one heck of a punch. It's amazing how I cleaned up my act real quick. And uh, from there, it's been a constant influence on her part that there's, there's this way of life, and it's called right. <laughs> there's this way of life, and it's called truth. There's this unique way of living, and that's what you need to do. That's the short version of that influence. And, and it's that kind of... Uh, beauty and she did it in love that's what's amazing is is she wasn't uh, arrogant she wasn't obnoxious she wasn't say it's my way or no way she simply said there's a way that is right second corinthians chapter six turn with me to second uh, corinthians chapter six and I, I see this as an influence on on moms particularly those that uh, desire to raise up their children and an understanding of God and, and how to walk and live in the, the way that will reap many benefits and blessings in life is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It goes on to say in verse 16, I'll just jump right in there, and uh, in verse 16, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in with them and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. There's one thing that uh, my mother-in-law certainly influenced, and I'll just simply call her mom for the sake of my mother's passed away, and, and uh, Connie's mom is uh, doing quite fine at 80-some years old. And if I get out of line, she's going to let me know. But bottom line is, is she lived a faith, and she lived a lifestyle as if who's on the inside that determines what you look like on the outside. She talked about Jesus as if she knew the guy. I mean, this was kind of a new concept to me. She talked about Jesus as if he's the one you're supposed to follow. She talked about Jesus as if he's the one that's supposed to be running your life. These are somewhat new concepts because I wasn't formed and shaped in those early years. What I remember as a child is your Bible sits over here, and church is something you may or may not go to. And my faith was separate than who I was. And that reality became so important to me. The, the most powerful influence a mother could be is to help your children understand. God isn't way out there. He's right here. And to live and interact within your conscience and your convictions and your value systems and your beliefs are that which reside inside of us. And to teach your children 
there is a right way, there's a wrong way. There is a God and there is a devil. To live in a sense that your inner person is that which is beautiful because it's Christ in us. And that's the joy of following uh, the Lord and trying to understand is this concept that the temple, as beautiful as a church building is, you and I are the place in which God inhabits and dwells. A second thing that uh, I, I think really stood out as I kind of go back memory lane and I kind of keep moving myself forward is in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, if you'd like to turn there with me. Many of us are aware, if we're familiar with the Bible in some sense, that there's a chapter that is sort of a mystery in the flow of the way we follow God and the lifestyle that we have in uh, living for God, is we get up to Romans chapter 6, and it's talking all about a commitment that uh, is expressed ultimately in baptism. That is, I learn about the things of God, I want to choose to follow the things of God, and when I finally decided I'm going to be real for God, you and I ought to come into baptism and be immersed in the water and acknowledge to the world, I'm living for Jesus Christ. Well, you get to the end of chapter 6, and then you have this mystery. Before the Holy Spirit comes in and, and really changes us and empowers us to live a certain way, chapter 7 is this, this mystery chapter that not everybody understands what to do with it. Uh, bear with me as I read a couple verses here, and then I'll explain the point that needs to be looked at. In verse 14 uh, down through 20, it says, We know that the law is spiritual. Let's just substitute that with it. We know that the Bible is real. But I as a person am not always spiritual, nor am I always real. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Ask a typical teenager, why did you do that, and what will they say? I have no idea. There's a lot of credibility to that, unless you have a mother-in-law who looks at you square and reminds you, Jesus can fix that. Do you realize that chapter 7 is where many of the scholars hang between, some views are, get used to it. Regardless of how spiritual you want to be, you can't live that life. And the others would say, chapter 8 is the conclusion. My mother-in-law would say, you need to decide. Do you want to have a faith that simply believes the right things, and on Sunday you have great relationship, but on Monday your marriage is going to fall apart, you're going to have problems in life? In other words, there's this, this reality check of influence, and a mother that communicates to the children, you're going to face temptations like you've never seen before. I don't know whether, as uh, 
a mom, if some of our moms ever had one of those sit-down man-to-man, kid-to-kid talks that help us understand what it's going to be like to be a teenager and what are the struggles you're going to face and what are the issues you're going to go through, I think that sometimes the, the toughest areas of life that we as Christians go through is in that personal area where there's confusion about whether or not we can actually do the right thing and make the right choices and live the right way. It's a mother-in-law like mine who's willing to acknowledge that there's a power greater than yourselves that can enable you to live with your head held high. There is the Spirit of God that you and I must humbly acknowledge that yes, the tempter is coming in full both barrels, and yet there's a Savior who can change your life. It's important to understand the beauty of a mother who teaches her children. When you get to school, you're going to meet a couple different friends there. One of them is going to be a bully. The other one's going to be an obnoxious guy. The other one is going to try to lead you astray. And others are going to be nice and everything else and everything else. But to, the beauty of a mom who's able to sit down and work through those struggles. I don't know if you realize that one of the leading causes of casualties among Christian community is the secret world is not being talked about. It's the secret struggles that work within the hearts of so many. And there's a a sense somehow that that's kind of off limits. What's in your heart and what's in someone else's heart, we don't want to talk about that because that's private. And so we separate the private from the public world. We obviously are going to have casualties and problems in the Christian life. Can you imagine struggling with temptations that you don't really know how to handle or process, but you tell yourself it really doesn't matter. That will create a lot of confusion. If you have a child that grows up and he starts moving into the teenage years and he begins to believe that being a Christian is a hopeless cause, it's all about going through the struggles of life, but I don't really have anybody that can help me figure out how to move beyond that. And then we have many casualties or people move off. It's beautiful to have a mom that's able to communicate and draw out of the kids. What struggles are you going to face and what struggles are you facing? Because there's a way to bring resolve into your life. Romans chapter 7, we see in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then all of chapter 8 talks about the beauty of the hope and the beauty of God's power to give us that ability to move on and a process. We're fortunate that we have uh, moms and uh, those who are able to guide us and direct us and, and get us through those tough seasons, particularly when we talk about those teenage years and uh, those years where uh, you're, you're moving into a whole new world. Um, I remember uh, you know, I had quite a few kids. Uh, maybe it's because I'm overly analyzing people all the time that they all wanted to go into psychology. And uh, off they go, and pretty soon they're, they're knowing a whole lot more than I am at, by any means about psychology. But I remember one that uh, uh, one of my daughters said to me, did you know that the conscience is not fully developed until you're 25 years old? In some sense, she was saying, get used to the fact it's not developed yet, so I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. Um, But it's important to try to understand. If that is true, then we need a mom until how old? 25. 
I was 16 years old when I met my future mother-in-law. Matthew chapter 20. One more thought as we think in terms of the enormous task and responsibility of being a mom. His mom only not only sets the tone that the secret to life is this Jesus guy needs to live inside. And so she lived it, she expressed it, she helped me understand Jesus needs to be there. The second thing was, in all your confusion of life, and all your little private world, you've got to deal with that. Because that little private secret of yours is going to get big in a couple of weeks or a couple of days or a couple of years. And to learn how to, to uh, uh, allow uh, this relationship with Christ to cleanse that private world, that is a powerful concept because of our kids somehow can get through life believing that the name of the game is just to look good, then you're going to end up with a whole different concept as they develop and uh, maybe even have a faith that looks good on the outside, but it's not deep and it's not transforming on the inside. The third thing is uh, teaching your kids to become great. Uh, That might sound a little arrogant, but bear with me in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 and 21. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Wow! Can you imagine your mom going up to Jesus and saying, Jesus... I know one day your kingdom is going to come in all of its greatness and its power and glory. Would you save a spot for little Johnny? Does Jesus say, now woman, where in the world did you come up with that idea? What does he say? In verses 26 through 28. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, do you get that? If you want to be great, here's how you do it. If you want to become great among you, you must be the servant, not the one being served. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. I think one of the leading things that will really uh, uh, do more hindrance to a child is to not teach them There is a path to greatness, and it's called service. Can you imagine a child growing up, and they believe the name of the game is me? (laughs) A mom is constantly serving. She's constantly taking the second seat. She's constantly pouring her life into the kids. And you trust that before they leave, what they remember about mom is what she did. That's what I need to do, to teach your kids that the pathway to greatness is not really about a position. It's about what's on the inside. There is nothing more precious when you guys entrust one of your kids to me as a pastor and say, they want to preach next week. And to invest in them and realize them that here's one that has grown up understanding the beauty of serving and let them start to lead with a servant's heart. It's the most powerful position And we could establish in these young hearts and lives is a child that's ready for life, to invest in them, that the dreams that God desires to put into a young heart 
is not by seeking some great position. It's to start out with your heart in the right place. Those are just a few things. I think uh, uh, my mother-in-law was obviously of an influence that uh, she could see those tendencies in my young heart to be a little bit full of myself. And I think that's where I put her back into prayer closet more often than not. I don't know what it was, but she had a unique way of saying to me, and uh, Connie tells me more about the little comment she made here and there about, yeah, he really likes to this and that and everything else, but I'm grateful for her influence, her constant servanthood, and uh, her love that really wouldn't quit. It's tough being a mom. I know that. Um, no, I don't know that. It's tough being a mom, I could imagine, as I think in terms of all the importance of, of preparing each and every one of us for that. But God bless you. I know you need to pay raise, and so I hope that there's uh, the, the husband or whatever that, uh, or the, the dad or somehow there's these other influences, maybe a son or two that'll take you out and, and treat you like the queen you ought to be. Let's pray. Lord, we realize we could go on and on and on talking about that influence that our, our, our moms were in our lives. But uh, for those of us that have a faith that has some clarity and direction, we certainly have to recognize that uh, it just didn't happen somehow automatically. But uh, you've, been, you've uh, given us uh, moms that have poured into our lives and we're grateful for all that they did and all that uh, uh, the burden that uh, has been put upon them. Help us, Lord, to recognize uh, the, their importance and their value. And so we honor our moms and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.